Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Sorry for no episode yesterday. Jeez, I that was it's just been an exhausting couple days. After I did my podcast uh Friday, it's just right after that, it was just non-stop. Didn't have a second. So I'm sorry, I apologize. Still tired right now. But podcast coming for you guys today. We are going to be discussing five possible Chris Paul trades. We all know Chris Paul was just traded from Houston to OKC, but OKC's already talking about shipping Chris Paul out of OKC. I have five possible trades, five possible destinations for Chris Paul that we are going to be discussing today. Then I want to discuss the possible 18-game NFL season. Now, it has been rejected in the latest proposal, but there's still definitely a chance that we could see it in the very near future. And I want to discuss uh, that possible 18-game season, the 16-game limit for some players, all of that. And then I want to discuss... MLB robotic umpires. I know this is a a topic that's been going on for a while and really heated up a few days ago and I just couldn't get to it because I missed some days and then the last episode I just, you know, that was a long episode and I already had all NBA planned up for you guys. So first we are going to start with five possible Chris Paul trades. So let's get to that. Okay, so I know, I actually think it was like five, six days, I think it was around six days ago, Monday, we did six possible trades for Russell Westbrook. So this is basically going to be the same exact thing, not exactly, but somewhere close to that. There are similar destinations because they're both point guards, they both have very hefty contracts, so they're going to be similar destinations. Not all of them are the same, though. Some are the same, a few uh, different destinations, but... most for the most part different pack trade packages now when it comes to chris paul i did not have a very good grasp on this uh not not a very i i don't want to say not very good but i didn't have a great as great grasp on this as i did with russell westbrook i knew what around what russell westbrook's value would be but with chris paul i really don't know i haven't heard much reports besides with miami that miami isn't heavily pursuing him but I, I just really don't know what Chris Paul's value is like around the league, how are teams valuing him. I just really don't know. Uh, so I kind of took an estimate and took things into my own hands. I think I did a pretty good job. So for the first trade, uh, we with the Miami Heat, this is the one that most people do believe. But I have four different destinations that I think. But the Heat is the hot one. Uh, but the Heat are not heavily pursuing him. But the trade that I have first is the Heat would receive Chris Paul, Chicago's 2020 second rounder, and OKC's 2021 second rounder. When the Thunder would receive Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, and Kelly Olynyk. Uh, for this trade, Trade NBA says the Heat would get minus one projected wins, and the Thunder would get plus one projected. I don't buy that at all, at all, but, you know, whatever. It's what they think. That's the thing with the straight NBA. I like it in a sense that you can turn, you you can, you know, do the settings, like recently trade restrictions and stuff, like stepping rule, you can turn them on and off. I keep them on so the way it's realistic for you guys. But, and it, you know, works out the money. It's great. I think all of that's better than the ESPN trade machine. I trust the ESPN trade machine a little more, but... I like the features on here more. I don't listen to the projected wins at all. I told you I there was something really wacky with the uh, one. Kevin Love. I told you guys a few episodes ago, or maybe it was last episode. I did a Kevin Love trade. Kevin Love for Hassan Whiteside in a first-round pick. 
and it said the Cavs would get plus four wins and the Trailblazers would get minus four. So it's it's whacked. I don't believe that the Heat would decrease in wins if they got Chris Paul. You know, maybe just because the Jimmy Butler and Chris Paul would be a bad fit, but I don't. I don't, I really just don't see that. Goran Dragic is on a $19.2 million deal for the next year. He's more of just to make, he's that big contract that I'm talking about. You know, when you're shopping a guy like Chris Paul for young players and picks, you always have to get that one guy who's on a big but expiring deal. That's Goran Dragic. I think he'd be a solid fit for their system in the year because he's a guy who can give you around 15 a night when healthy. Uh, he's a versatile scorer. He can kind of score all over the place. I mean, I can really see him playing shooting guard. I seriously do think Goran Dragic can play shooting guard. He won't help your development of guys like uh, Shagulis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder, but he won't need the ball in his hands every single time down the court. Like a guy like Chris Paul Russell Westbrook would. I think he can score off the ball, uh, even you know, cutting to the hoop a few times. Uh, then there's Bam Adebayo, really the young chip here, three point four mil over the next three years. He's a good young center. Uh, you know, he didn't really start a whole lot last year. You know, him and Hassan Whiteside kind of took turns. So you know, he's starting to become a starting caliber point guard, uh, center, not point guard. So I don't think Bam Adebayo is anything special, but he's a solid young center. And then there's Kelly Olynyk, 12.6 mil over the next two years. He's probably the ugliest piece of this all because I'm down with taking Drogic's contract for one year from OKC. I'm saying this is a solid player. When Drogic is healthy, this contract is not that bad. You know, when you factor in the injuries, it's like, yeah, all right. You know, this isn't a great contract, but it's for one year. And I think he's a good shooter for that team. Bam Adebayo is obviously in a very good contract, young player. Kelly Olynyk, I don't want anything to do with that contract for the next two years, but you got to take it on to uh, make this deal happen. And then you give up Chris Paul in the two second rounders. Uh, I think you just have such a gold mine in draft picks just in the first round, never mind second round. You have so many uh, draft picks. I think you have to be willing to give up two second rounders to make this trade possible. You know, for the Thunder, this is a bit iffy, but I just don't see the Heat really pursuing Chris Paul as much as we think. Um, just, just in my opinion, from what I've heard too. So they're giving up Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, Kelly Olynyk for uh, CP3 and two uh, second rounders. Honestly, when I look at this trade for the Thunder, I think you could potentially get some better trades. So I don't jump on this deal and say, "Yes, please give me that. Ta- uh, give me that deal." I more sit there and say, you know what? Let me ponder over my options. I'll I'll call you back in maybe a day or so, two days, because I think you could possibly get a better deal for CP3. Then we move over to the Dallas Mavericks. It has been reported, uh, like right after the uh, Russell Westbrook trade, the Mavericks have interest in Chris Paul. Okay, they do. They have interest in Chris Paul. So here, with the Mavericks would receive Chris Paul, the Thunder would receive Tim Hardaway Jr., Justin Jackson, Courtney Lee, uh, 2025 first round pick, a 2023 second round pick, and a 2021 second round pick, all belonging to Dallas. So this trade, this really puts the Thunder in tanking mode for sure. This is the real like you know you're in full tank mode. Tim Hardaway Jr. is not a good contract at all. Two 20.2 million dollars over the next two years. He's a nice young player, personally. I like Hardaway a little more than other people. Just, just I, I just do. All, although at the same time, I don't think he's you know anything special, and I don't think that contract's good by any means. Uh, he's not really very efficient. He he just shoots a ton of a ton of shots, but that's okay. 
um, in OKC for him to kind of take a lot of shots. Like, that type of style, people aren't a huge fan of those, like, inefficient players that just take a lot of shots. But in OKC, I don't think that'll be a horrible thing. I think, you know, it's not like they're going to be like, yeah, shoot as many shots as you want, but he, he, he kind of can. It's not like there's a star hogging the ball and taking 19, 20 shots a night. Justin Jackson is another guy who really hasn't done too much at the big level, uh, but 3.2 mil over the next three years. He's a nice little young piece. He could pro- potentially be a nice rotational piece for the future. You know, he's nothing, nothing special at all. He hasn't done much at the big level, but really just a uh, maybe a future trade chip or a future rotational piece for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then Courtney Lee, 12.7 mil over the next one year. He's really just a bad contract, expiring deal just to make this deal work. It's mostly all about the picks here. OKC is, you know, really love their picks. If I'm OKC, I'd rather have a young player like Bam at a bio than have a first-round pick at this point, unless the first-rounder has some serious value, because I think they already have a lot of picks. And honestly, if I'm OKC, I look to flip some of those picks rather than add on. If I, if I can add on, sure. Uh, but you know, I'd rather have a young, proven, you know, proven young player like a Bam Adebayo than another first-round pick because, you know, the draft doesn't get you as far as it used to nowadays. And I feel like they have enough picks already that they should flip a few of those for proven young stars, not even stars, proven young players. Uh, the first-round pick in 2025, it's always a question mark. You know, when we look at this uh, Dallas Mavericks team by 2025, yeah, you got Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis. But Porzingis, I think that'll be the last year of his deal. Luka Doncic, I mean, I think Doncic and Kristaps, uh, I think Doncic will definitely be there by 2025. Kristaps Porzingis, unless he requests a trade, will probably be there. But we really don't know what the future holds. I could, I think Luka Doncic is going to be a fantastic player for the future, and he'll probably beat the Mavericks. So I doubt that pick will have a whole lot of value. But I think just the, you know... Those 2025 first-rounders, you never know. Right now, with the Dallas Mavericks, they have a bright future. In 2025, Luka Doncic will probably be one of the best players in the game, and we think he'll still be on Dallas, but we don't know that for a fact. Who knows? Dallas could be the worst team in the league in 2025. They could also be the best. We really don't have a clue. The value, if we looked at it right now, probably isn't a whole heck of a lot. Uh, but you just never know. So right now, you know, based on our analysis, a 2025 first rounder from Dallas probably isn't worth a whole lot. But just since we really don't have a very clear, you know, view, we're kind of looking through the mist. I think that uh, increases the value. And then you add on two second rounders. Uh, and I think OKC's just trying to stack up as many picks as possible at this point, maybe trying to flip a few. Uh, this trade does not look too appealing to me from the Thunder. To be honest, none of those players seem appealing at all. Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, a guy who scores a lot of points, but he's very inefficient. That contract is horrible. Justin Jackson's really just a rotational piece for the future. And Courtney Lee's just an expiring deal. And then the picks. I mean, if that first round pick turns into a late 20s, this pick is a complete, uh, this trade is just complete, does nonsense. But I just think that you're really just banking on that pick. Then there's the trade with the Timberwolves for this third uh, trade. The Timberwolves would receive Chris Paul and Denver's 2020 first-round pick, the one that they just got from Jeremy Grant a few days ago, or around a week ago. And the Thunder would receive Andrew Wiggins and Robert Covington. Um, when I look at this trade, for the Timberwolves, it makes a whole lot of sense. 
to try to, you know, kind of keep Carl Anthony Towns happy. You're trying to make a move because I think that roster has to be shaken up a little bit, uh, at least somehow. They don't have much salary cap space, so taking on Chris Paul's contract isn't great. But you get rid of Andrew Wiggins. You take a Chris Paul in what's going to be a late first-round pick. I think we have a pretty clear view of where Denver's heading, and that's to the top of the West next year. Not the very top, but they're going to be somewhere at the top. That pick's going to be lowest try 23-24 at best for the Thunder. So they add, you know, a late first round pick. Uh, the Timberwolves add a late first round pick to the stash along with Chris Paul. Chris Paul would thrive in Minnesota. That's a place where he can have the ball in his hands a lot. And he could really be a great playmaker. I think a guy like Robert Covington would be a great fit on the wing alongside Chris Paul, a shooter that he can kick it out to, but Robert Covington will be moved. I think Rocco just has a lot of value on the market. He's locked in for the next three years for 11.3 mil. That's a very good contract considering Robert Covington was in the defensive player of the year conversation before he got hurt. If he can come back and return to where he was last season, he really has some value. He's a great defender. I think his three-point shot has some improving to do, but right now it's solid. Uh, it was, it, it Struggled in Philadelphia, uh, but he came. He you know came to terms with this three point shot. He's worked on it. it. It's average, I'd say. It's average, slightly over average three point shooter. I I do see it improving a bit though. But the defense, he's a he's a three and D wing. I consider Rocco a three and D wing. Great defender, a little over average three point shooter. He's got some value. Then there's Wiggins, a very risky trade chip. The guy's on a twenty seven point five million dollar deal over the next. Four years. That's a horrible contract considering where Andrew Wiggins stands right now. Andrew Wiggins has all the talent in the world, but he doesn't have the work ethic. Some people think a change of scenery is all he needs, but I think it's more than change of scenery. He needs a change of heart as well. Uh, and can okay if OKC can change his heart and and he can return to you know if he can come if his work ethic can come to terms with his talent or at least somewhere close to that this is a absolute steal of a trade for OKC it really all depends on what happens with Andrew Wiggins here you know does OKC believe they could bring him in and change him into the player that we thought he would be 3 years ago <sighs> man if they could do that this is an absolute steal but if Andrew Wiggins keeps going on the decline then you know this trade is just I don't know what to say. This was a trade where you swapped two bad contracts, I guess. I, It's tough to say. It, it really is. I, I don't know what to say with Andrew Wiggins at this point. If they could really, if that change of scenery, if OKC could change his heart and he ends up being an all-star type player like we know he can be, this is an absolute steal for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I won't go back and back the, uh, you know, and blame the Minnesota Timberwolves for moving Andrew Wiggins to this deal because, you know, I... I'm not. I don't want to hear those fans. If this trade did go through, and all of a sudden in two seasons, Andrew Wiggins is a star type player, I don't want to hear those fans that say this was a bad trade for the Timberwolves. This was a move the Timberwolves have to make. If they get a chance to make a trade like this, the Timberwolves should definitely make it. I don't think the Timberwolves will have a problem making this type of trade. I think they want a type of point guard like Chris Paul. They wanted Russell Westbrook. I think they want a second star in there and. You know, I don't know what Chris Paul is at this point, but I still consider him a star-type player. No all-star, but a star-type player. Along Carl uh, Anthony Towns, I think they need that. Again, if they get a chance to move Wiggins, if they get a chance to make this trade, I think they definitely will. For the Thunder, this is a huge 
uh, you know, hit or miss deal. It's a huge risk reward type deal. The risk here for the Thunder is Robert Covington doesn't return the same after his injury. He's more of just an average defender. You know, his three point shot takes a decline, his whole game takes a decline, and he's really just an average three and D wing. And the and then Andrew Wiggins continues to go on the decline. The reward is Robert Covington picks up right where he left off and ends up winning, you know, maybe a defensive player of the year at one point, or is in the running for a few in his prime. And he continues to, you know, become a better three point junior and it'll be a great amazing three D wing. And Andrew Wiggins uh, locks into his potential and pretty much hits his ceiling and becomes an all-star. If the Thunder could pull that off, that would be incredible. I don't think Robert Covington's too much of a risk, risk despite that injury. I think it's more just Andrew Wiggins in that contract. But this is one I think the Thunder should definitely, you know, think about. I would not rule it out. Um, you know, the Wiggins, the Wiggins contract does look very scary. I'd really, you know, see what my options are, but... I would not rule that trade out if I'm the Thunder. The fourth trade with the Orlando Magic. The Magic would receive Chris Paul in Denver's 2020 first round pick. And the Thunder would receive Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, and DJ Augustine. Now, the trade NBA has the Magic uh, losing three more games and the Thunder winning three more games. And that's a bit skeptical. I'm a bit skeptical of that. Aaron Gordon's on a $19.8 million deal for the next three years, and that's not an amazing contract, but Aaron Gordon is dropping around 18 points per game in Orlando. And whether those are garbage points or what, I really don't know. Uh, all I know is Aaron Gordon's an athletic beast. He can throw down dunks. You know, Aaron Gordon's a guy that people don't really know a lot about his game because he plays in Orlando. People really just know him for all his dunks. Got to dig deeper. He's a solid player. He's not worth $19.8 million right now, but in three years, if he continues to uh, get better, he could definitely be worth that. I mean, he's getting closer and closer to 20 points per game a season, and he's pretty efficient. I, I, well, he's, I think he's around like 45% from the field, which could be a little better for a guy who really just dunks, but um, no, he's got a little bit of a post game. And then there's Mo Bamba, four years, 5.6 mil. He did not play worth 5.6 mil, but even if Mo Bamba, you know, only plays 30 games next season and, you know, only averages six points, you know, you, you will, that's not a horrible contract, even if he's just hurt most of the four years. Mo Bamba still has a lot of potential. I think I'm not ready to rule him a bust after one year just because I think in Orlando it was tough because he was hurt most of his first year and when he was playing he didn't get the minutes he needed to develop. I mean, he's playing behind Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon. That was an absolutely loaded front court, so he didn't get the minutes he needed. He didn't have much time to develop. Now they have Chuma Okeke too who is injured, but when he comes back, they're going to try to develop him. I think the Orlando Magic are quietly going trying to shop Mobamba or they should be because I think reaching for Chuma Okeke kind of shows that uh, they are interested probably moving Mobamba, especially with picking him, keeping um, Nikola Vucevic. They should look to move Mobamba because I just don't think he's going to develop there. You know, their training staff is iffy. Um, it's not horrible, but he just gets hurt too much. 
you know, trade him while his value is still there because I don't, don't see him developing with the Orlando Magic. And then DJ Augustine was more just a player to help this uh, trade go through. He's on a one-year $7.2 million deal. Not a horrible contract, expiring one, just to make this deal work. DJ Augustine definitely held up his own and uh, did better than most of us thought running the point for the Orlando Magic, but... He's more just really a shooter. I know he had that beastly game one against our uh, Raptors, but don't let that fool you. That's not what he is every game. Uh, he's just a nice little uh, player. As your starting point guard, that's not really going to get you that far, but I think he, I seriously think he can play shooting guard. I know yeah, everyone just says he's a point guard, but that guy can shoot really well. I think he can move to the two guard, kind of like Goran Dragic. And you give up Chris Paul in the first round pick. I think this is actually a very good deal. Again, Aaron Gordon's contract does not look that great, and it is for the next three years, but you're going to get a bad contract in almost all of these trades. And that one might not be bad in two to three years. Mo Bamba is one where even if he busts and he's hurt most of his career, I think you're all right with taking on his $5.6 million. I know that's not, you know, $5.6 million is a lot, but in the NBA world, that's, that's okay. That's like a smaller bad contract if he ends up only playing 20-something games and being a bench piece most of his career. Uh, well, 20-something games. It was more just last season. If he only plays like 60, 50 games and is only a bench player, that's okay. I think you roll the dice there. And DJ Augustine, he's on that expiring deal. so, And I, I don't think that's a bad deal either. So I don't think they'll have a problem taking that on. It says plus three wins for the Thunder. That's, that's debatable. I do think it would help them out, but it really adds to their front court, too, and I think they're just so thin there that that, uh, that definitely uh, seems appealing to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Then the last trade is with the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons would receive Chris Paul in the Thunder Thunder's 2021 second-round pick. With the Thunder receive, the Pistons would receive that, and the Thunder would receive Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Langston Galloway, and Thon Maker. I do believe this is the package the Pistons would receive Russell Westbrook, except the Thunder were receiving like three more or three or four more draft picks, and they were not giving up the second round pick. So yeah, Russell they they would have to give up much more for Russell Westbrook. But for the Thunder, you're receiving Reggie Jackson's expiring deal. I know you don't really want Reggie Jackson because you want SGA and um, Dennis Schroeder to keep developing. But you gotta, if you make a deal with the Pistons, Reggie Jackson is going to have to be a part of it, uh, most likely, unless you're moving Blake Griffin and and or Andre Drummond. Luke Kennard is a nice young shooter, three years, three point eight million dollars. That is a great deal for a guy who really uh, stepped up his game last year, and he's a great shooter. I think this team desperately desperately needs some shooting on the um in general and on the wing so Luke Kennard would give that to you and he's young locked in for the next three years Langston Galloway one year 7.3 million dollars is not great but it's an expiring deal to help make this uh the money work and then Thon Maker 3.5 mil over the next two years he adds more shooting for you I still think he has a bit of potential I mean at this point he's probably gonna he's probably a bust he's had a change of scenery now in Detroit and really didn't do a whole lot there either really just a rotational uh, stretch four, I'd say at this point, but it adds shooting and he's a nice little player. And for the Pistons, this was a bit risky because I don't think this puts you in championship contention. All it does is really lock you up that you're probably going to get a playoff spot, but it doesn't put you in contention. Uh, you're kind of in the spot the Thunder were last season where you're kind of sitting there with an aging core. You know, you don't really have a, much young talent. You have no cap flexibility and you're really stuck. You're not 
you're not going either way. So I'm not really sure how I'd feel about this on um, um, the Detroit Pistons. Um, because taking on Chris Ball's contract, you have no cap, you know, no cap space flexibility, no young talent. You're really just stuck like the Thunder were, and then you're gonna have to start making moves. I'm not really sure if I do this if I'm the Pistons, not because this is a bad deal offer or anything. It's just the fact that I don't really want to be stuck like that. If I'm the Pistons, I'm trying to sell Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and go into a tank because. And they're not going to get some super superstar. Russell Westbrook was probably their best chance at a star, best sniff at a star, and it would be uh, with a trade, and they'd be stuck in cap space, uh, cap jail. So I think you try to sell Blake Griffin, even maybe Andre Drummond, and just build it back up. That core's not going to win you anything. At best, you add one more star on a massive contract, and I'm not really sure how good that star will be. I mean, it's it's going to be so hard for them to get a star that can really take them over the top. So those are my five trades uh, for Chris Paul. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can rank them as, as you'd like. Uh, you know, they're, they're appealing, obviously. There are, I could come up with trade uh, options for days, but I kept it at five because – this filled up like a 30-minute segment. So, uh, you know, there are obviously more. I could come up with a few different teams, you know, maybe a few more for each team, like different packages. But I figured I'd give you an idea. Again, Chris Paul's a tough grasp right now. What's his value on the market? His contract certainly doesn't help, and his age does not help either. Uh, which ones come the most appealing to you? Uh, yeah, I'll just go through them quick. The Heat trade, uh, if you remember, uh, the Heat trade was – it was all right. I, you know, I wouldn't really say it was the best, you know, just you're giving up Chris Paul and two second round picks for Drogic, Bam Adebayo, and Olenek. Not the best trade. I wouldn't say it's the worst either. Dallas Mavericks trade Chris Paul for Tim Hardaway Jr., Justin Jackson, Courtney Lee, uh, the first, the 2025 first, the 2023 second, and the 2021 second. Not a very good trade at all. I'd probably say it might be the worst one on here. But the Thunder, the Maver- I mean, the Mavericks don't really have many players that they can move at this time. So it's, it's, it's just tough there. Maybe I should have thrown in a, a pick or two more. But that would really benefit the Mavericks. Uh, and then for the the next trade was with the Timberwolves. That one, that is a trade where I that's a last minute move. If I'm the Thunder and I'm sitting here, you know, a few months for like a month from now, and none of the you're not getting many good offers for Chris Paul. You know, that seemed too appealing to you, and this offer comes up. That's that's the move that they make. Andrew Wiggins is just one where if I had a bet on the change of scenery, helping him, or, you know, if he changes, I'm just not really sure. So I think this is a move for the Thunder where, you know, we're sitting, you know, three weeks from now and no one's really get going really heavy after Chris Paul and you're not really getting many very good offers and this is the bet, you know, this is kind of the offer that you're left saying, we got to roll the dice. None of these offers seem appealing at all. This is the trade that they'd make. Then with the Magic, that Magic trade is very – I like that Magic trade a lot. I think it may be the best one. Chris Paul in a first-rounder via Denver in 2020 for Aaron Gordon, Mobamba, DJ Augustine. That might be the best trade, uh, honestly. I think it might be the best one. Uh, The best reward trade would have to be the one with the Timberwolves, but I'd say the one – this isn't very safe either because all of a sudden Aaron Gordon, you know, maybe may have just been garbage minutes in Orlando and, you know, okay, she's going to be tanking too, but maybe he's not what we all think when we look at the points and Mo Bamba may bust and DJ Augustine may just be 
oh, you know, one year and out the door just to make the money work. So this, you know, this trade definitely is bit bit risky, but not as risky as the Timberwolves. This one may be the best trade package. Uh, and then the one with the Pistons, uh, you just heard it. Chris Paul in a 2021 second for Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Linkson Galloway, and Thon Maker. I don't really like this trade just because you know, you're getting Reggie Jackson's expiring deal. You don't really want that. Uh, to hurt your point guard development. Langston Galloway's on a not very good contract. Don Maker's really just a stretch big rotational piece. And Luke Kennard's really just a good wing shooter. Like, he could be a future, you know, starting two or three on, like, a solid team uh, at best. You know, he'll be nothing special. So that one just, uh, that one's just like, you know, you're getting Luke Kennard in a rotational piece. It just doesn't seem too appealing to me. So those are the trades uh, right there. For Chris Paul, uh, you can call him with your possible uh, trade destinations and trade packages for uh, Chris Paul. Which one did you find the best? Which one was the worst? You can rank the trades that I just did. You can come up with your own, calling on the Anchor mobile app or through Safari. So now we're going to get to the idea on the possible 18-game NFL season. So let's get to that. So this is some news that I heard a few days ago. The NFL could possibly turn the regular season from 16 games to 18 games. Basically, they'd cut off two preseason games, so the last two would only be two preseason games and 18 regular season games uh, opposed to four preseason, 16 regular season. Uh, You know, 17 weeks. Obviously, there's one bye week. Uh, So there will still be a bye week, essentially. Um, It would just be, basically, you play 18 games in 19 weeks. So you still have one bye week, and then... A player could play max 18, uh, 16 games. So, basically, what I'm from what I've heard, that's basically three bye weeks for every player, which which is pretty good. I do like that. I think the preseason for most of the starters is bye weeks anyway. But I, I want to get into this. I just found it very appealing. Not a lot of people have talked about this. I did hear uh, on the radio people talking about this. Didn't get to really listen into it, unfortunately. But I haven't heard too much chatter about this. Uh, but here, here it is. So basically, this was um, this was proposed by the NFL owners. By a ton of NFL over- owners are in favor of this rule, and we've known this for a while. Uh, this rule, this schedule changing, whatever. And it's no secret why, because they would make millions on millions of dollars by adding two more regular season games. Just by adding these two games. In the NBA, NFL, uh, not NFL, you know, NHL, MLB, it's way different because, you know, one game, it doesn't mean a lot. In the NFL, one game is huge. One game is huge. In the NBA, you know, unless it's the finals, like one regular season game is like, hey, whatever. Usually don't have too high stakes. In the NFL, one game can make a huge difference. Every week really matters because there's only 16 games. You had 18 games. I don't really think that decreases the value too much, but that just brings in millions on millions of dollars. So the NFL owners are all about it. But the NA, with the 18-game schedule, guess who's not all about it? The players. Because, first of all, they'd have to only play 16 of 18 games. So they could only play 16 of the 18 games. So it would add, it would add strategy. And I don't think NFL lacks strategy. It's not like the NBA where it's just becoming a Stars League and Stars do what they want. The coaches play a huge role in the NFL. And the strategy is still there. But the strategy here would be, are you, you know, when do we sit our starting quarterback? When do we sit him? Do we sit our receiver, running back, quarterback all in the same game? Do we sit all our starters in the same game and kind of split it up? It would add a lot of strategy. As a Patriots fan, that's great because we have Bill Belichick, and Belichick would figure it out. So that would be in the Patriots' favor. 
But as a normal NFL fan, I don't really like that. All of a sudden, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing Brian Hoyer playing, you know, twice in the season. Well, Tom Brady just sits there. You know, it's not good for the starters either. They're just sitting there riding the bench when they know they can be playing. Um, I just don't like it. And also, I heard that the NFL players did the math. The average, you know, span of a NFL career would go down from 3.3 years to 2.8 years. And no one's really run the math besides the players on this. So if the, if the take the player's word, that's huge. A huge reason the players don't like this because after three years, that's usually when your rookie deals up. You start getting all these benefits. So all of a sudden, if your career sure, you know, falls just short of three seasons, you miss out on that big, you know, deal after your rookie year, uh, rookie deal. So your rookie deal is basically on the minimum for most players. And after your rookie deal, you know, these guys can go out and get the big bucks. So, you know, they miss out on that. They miss out on benefits. So obviously they don't want that to just fall short. You know, if they can just sneak in there and get those big contracts and those benefits, that's awesome. They don't want to fall short of that. You know, they don't want to retire, you know, just short of getting out of that rookie deal. That's not what they want at all. I don't blame the players for not liking this deal. Also, they don't want to ride the bench. I know, you know, some of them would love, you know, to sit out, you know, a game or two here and there, but for the most part, you know, when I look at it, they're still playing 16 games. So, you know, they're they're kind of sitting there saying, yeah, there's a difference between riding the bench for two weeks in a preseason game and riding the bench for two weeks uh, in, an, you know, in a real, real NFL, you know, regular season game. Uh, obviously, some of the practice squad players may, are going to love this. Some of these guys that are on the bubble would absolutely love this because it's their time to shine outside of the you know, practice time and a few preseason games. That's basically two games, basically, for them to play. Um, you know, because, you know, the bench players, they're going to actually get a turn turn to play because these starters have to sit twice. Overall, though, I don't like it just because, you know, you got to, you know, sit stars twice as much as bring millions and millions of dollars. I don't want to go out there and see all those bench players play. I, you know, I get it. You might find a few, you know, gems that you wouldn't have. I do think this might create a few, you know, a few gems, a few great stories of these guys that would never have become NFL stars or really good NFL players if it weren't for this rule. But how many of those players will you find? Not a lot. Um, and overall, you know, it's just too much changing. You're going to have to change the roster more than 53 players. You can't just have 53 players. Um, you have 11 on the field on offense, 11 on defense. So that's 22 starters right there, plus the punter and kicker. That's 24, I do believe. So you're going to have to expand the bench, which is great for, again, these guys on the bubble. But, you know, that's just a lot of work. You're going to have to, you know, figure out, how many, you know, how many times do you play your division now? Or are we playing, you know, I, it's just a lot. You know what I'm trying to say? So let's say you play, you know, if you're in the AFC, you face, let's say the Patriots, all right? We're the, we're the New England Patriots. Most of you guys are Patriots fans. I know most of the listeners are from New England, Boston, whatever. We play the Dolphins twice, the Bills twice, the Jets twice. That's six games. We face NFC division four times. We face one NFC division, the team, each team from that division once. So that's four games. That makes 10. And then we usually face, you know, so what do we, you know, we usually face, let's say, the AFC South, everyone from that division and two players, uh, two um, teams from the AFC North or something, or two, two, and two. 
So what do we do, you know, with those extra two games? I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I just think that would also make the scheduling really confusing. It's just, it's, it's just a lot of work. For what? To make the owners happy? I let, you know, I know it's a lot of money, but at this point, also the player safety. I think at this point, the NFL's biggest, you know, problem is player safety. This does not help player safety. The players ran the math. Their average career span goes down from 3.3 to 2.8. The injuries would go up with these extra two weeks. I mean, yes, you know, we are sitting here and saying, Aiden, but for the starters, you have to look at it this way. There's basically three bye weeks. And I'm going to say yes, but usually the starters set out week three and four of the preseason. Okay, so it doesn't really make a huge difference. I know they may take it easy in the preseason, maybe not play the whole game. Like Tom Brady plays like a half or a drive or two in the preseason. But you don't understand. You know, it's a, it, there's a difference. And I just think right now the player safety is the biggest question. Youth football, the numbers are going down. Parents are scared to put their kids in the NFL well, football just in general because of these injuries. And now all of a sudden if these kids go up to the NFL, the injuries are already a big enough problem. The injuries are going to get worse due to this. No, I'm sorry, I have to reject this rule, and it was rejected in the last, um, the last you know proposal. But I just don't like this at all. Um, I would like two extra NFL games, but what? Just to see the bench players and odds are every single game you're going to see a bench player. If I go to watch the Patriots. You know, odds are the Patriots are really good, so you're probably not going to play your bench players. But on the Patriots, there's going to be some, you know, good player missing. And on another team, even, there might be one player that they sit out. You know, so I just don't like that. I know players sit out, you know, here and there due to injuries. But if they're sitting out when they're healthy, that's just frustrating. Just to see Tom Brady sit on the bench and, you know, just for us to lose to Miami. That just stinks, you know. I know my in Miami, Tom Brady struggles. But let's say, you know, a home game against the Dolphins. Oh, they're so bad. You know, just to see Tom Brady just destroy them. So we have to throw Brian Hoyer in there and then get destroyed by the Dolphins. Just I don't like that at all. I, I'm sorry. I'm just not a fan of this rule. I just think, you know, you're just shaking things up. You're, you know, the, the injuries now are just even a bigger problem. So I just don't like this rule. You can call in on why you like it, why you don't like it. Whatever you want. I, I just don't like this rule for the reasons I just explained. So now we are going to get to the robotic umpires in the MLB. Uh, they were they were performed uh, in the, I think it was like the Atlantic League. I forget the name. If you're a fan of the MLB, you probably know by now. I forget. heard the name a few days ago in a paper. But whatever. They used it in like a lower uh, MLB division, let's just say. And I'm going to explain my thoughts on the robotic umpire coming right about now. Okay, so the robotic umpire made its way into professional baseball for the first time on Wednesday. So today's Sunday. Most of you are probably listening on Monday, maybe Tuesday. I doubt you're listening on Sunday because it's like 9 p.m. right now, uh, East East time. But So you're probably listening, you know, five days after this happened, but I still want to get my thoughts in. So this is according to Deadspin. I'm just going to read what they wrote here. Robot umps have finally made their way into pro baseball, and by all accounts, they seem primed to make Angel Hernandez just a little less horrible at his job. A system known as the Trackman made its professional debut on Wednesday during this independent Atlantic League's All-Star Game. Trackman uses Doppler radar to determine whether a pitch has made it into the strike zone, which was determined based on either the batter's height or pre-existing data if the batter had been in the majors at one point. The decision was sent to a home plate umpire's Brian, whatever, 
his phone and relate and relayed into an earpiece for a decision to be announced. It was then on the Brower to confirm the uh, confirm or correct the program's decision. Overall, it's safe to say the TrackMan fared about as well as one might have expected a regular uh, human umpire to fare, particularly when it came down to pitches that were close to the zone. The only there was only one notable instance of the program noticeably be, noticeably missing a call, but upon closer expect, inspection, it wasn't that even egregious of a miss. We know this because a YouTube channel called Close Call Sports put a highlight reel of the Robot Umps debut. All right, whatever. You get the point. They did a good job. This robotic umpire. I did not sit here and watch the game. I didn't really watch the highlights. I didn't read into it much. I heard they did a pretty good job. I didn't read too much into it. I've been busy lately. But to hear that it performed as well as a human umpire in its debut is good if you're in favor of the robotic umpire. It's a bit scary if you're a human umpire. I know this was in like the Atlantic League, so again, I mean, if you want to sit here and say, yeah, but that was in the Atlantic League, how will it perform in the majors? Maybe even better, because it said pre-existing data if the batter had been in the majors at one point. So, you know, they're going to use your data from the majors. If, you know, that'll make it even more, uh, you know, efficient. I doubt many of these players were in the majors before. Maybe a few of them. I'm not really sure. I didn't watch the game. It missed one call, and even that wasn't that egregious. So one call that wasn't even that egregious. I see uh, human umpires miss, you know, one or two calls that aren't that egregious, and sometimes miss one or two calls that are pretty egregious. So that's that's a bit uh, scary if you're if you're an umpire. I mean, I am little league, but that's not the same. I'm not really, uh, you know, too, too concerned. concerned. You know, I, I don't, don't think, think the uh, robotic umpires are really going to make the debut in Little League anytime soon. And I don't plan to be an MLB ump anytime soon. I just do it as like a little side thing. But I, you know, I don't know. Who knows at this point in today's uh, world. My only problem with it is, though, could this thing be hacked? Like, that's that's my only thing. Is, is this like a thing that can be hacked? Because if it can, that's... That's just going to be bad. I know the umpire was there to, like, correct a few calls, but let's be honest, what did this guy do? It's an all-star game in the Atlantic League. This guy was probably already, you know, chilling back already, like, all right, you know, it's an all-star game, whatever. And then now he's got this thing to just tell him what to say. He's probably half asleep back there and just mumbling the words of whatever the, the computer said. Let's be honest. I mean, I doubt he really did much anyway. Maybe he did. I Again, I don't know. But... I mean, we'll see what what this robotic umpire does. I don't really have a huge, um, you know, I don't really have a side on it. I want to see how it keeps performing because this was one game. So far, based off the debut, it did a pretty good job. Considering that was the debut, it's only it should only get better from here, right? As technology gets better, as we learn more about how this is, all right, what can we correct about it? I mean, this thing, you know, this might be one of the worst performances we've ever seen from the robotic umpire, and it really did a very good job. So, I mean, I would not be shocked if we see this in the future. You know, the MLB in a few years, I don't know how how long, but I think it's going to creep its way up to the MLB at one point because after this one game, just seeing this one game, it looked like it was a success. So, I see it maybe creeping its way up into, you know, single A, double A, triple A, maybe to the MLB at one point. I would not count it out one bit. My only uh, problem is, what about a base? So, you know, running the bases, I should say.
are there umps for that? Like just normal human umps? Does the I I think the, this from what I've heard this robotic umpire only calls balls and strikes. So I think they those fielding umps would still be able to keep their job. But then again, who knows? I mean, we could be one year away from hearing the development of. You know, we could be a day away. Tomorrow I could wake up and hear they're starting to develop uh, fielding umpires or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? I mean, robots are starting to just take over, and it's a bit scary, honestly. Um, that's what I don't like about it. Uh, robots taking the jobs of humans, it's just not a good thing. Until the robots are doing all the work for everyone, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, because now you're kind of leaving people jobless, and that's not really a good thing. Um, so, yeah, until the robots are doing all the chores and all the work and all uh, taking up every job, I don't really see it as a very good thing. Um, so we'll see what happens with the robotic gump. I want more. I want to see more of it. I want more evidence, more data. I'm not basing it off one all-star game. I want, I want more. I want to see how else, how, how much better does it do? I, I really don't see it too many hiccups. This was the first game, the debut, and it really only made one ish badish call it wasn't even egregious according to this article so yeah that's gonna wrap up today's episode i uh, hope you guys enjoyed calling on the anchor mobile app sorry so uh, yeah thank you guys for listening and i hope to see you next time